0: Greetings old Haleyberians and members of the wider Haleybury community, wherever and whenever you are listening to this From the Archives podcast. This is Keith White from the class of 62, bringing you the 16th of our regular podcast series, which includes audio material from the Haleybury Archives. But firstly, our quiz question from Bill Waters.
1: Hi there, Keith. Today's quiz is a two-parter. We all know Brian Clark is a Haleybury legend, but... Which school did he attend himself? And in which year did he start teaching at Halebury? I'll be back later with the answer.
0: Thanks Bill. Answer coming up later. This month we feature an address given to the Senior School Assembly in 2000 by one of Halebury's most outstanding sportsmen, Andrew Langford-Jones. But firstly an extract from an interview I recorded in 2004 with Jim Brown interviewing another Halebury legend, Brian Clark, where Brian talks about how he came to Halebury in the first place.
1: On the 31st of August 2004 with Brian Clark who was a member of the Halebury staff from 1950 to 1991. That's a period of 42 years. In 2002 Brian was made a life Governor of the College. Among his other achievements he was cricket coach for the first 11 for 18 years and was the most successful Halebury coach of cricket, apart from Randall himself, who, of course, won five, I think, premierships. Brian, welcome back to Halebury. And uh, what I'd like to start with is the issue of your beginning at Halebury, really, your interview with Sheldon Black, which must have been either the end of 1949 or early 1950. What can you recall of that interview? Well, how did I
2: come to teach at Halebury? My appointment must have been one of the strangest of all time. I was in my final year at university. I was a leader at a September camp of the uh, Church of England Boys Society in Frankston. The commandant of that camp was the then headmaster of Hailabrie Junior School, Alan Feely. The camp received a visitor for lunch, a Mr Sholto Black, to whom I was introduced. In the course of conversation, I was asked what I was doing, which was, of course, I was about to finish my study at Melbourne University. He asked me all about my degree course and what I intend to do with it. Although history and political science graduates at that stage were being pressured to join the Department of External Affairs, I still hadn't made up my mind what I was going to do particularly as I wanted really to settle down after my years of naval service. After that I might have finished up in Foreign Affairs. Mm. The other thought in my mind was teaching. But being interested more in the final examination, which was coming soon, I gave a matter no further thought. An hour or so later, Mr. Black called me aside and said, would you like a job at Hailry? I replied that I really hadn't made up my mind what I wanted to do and wouldn't do so until the end of the year. Besides, I didn't know very much about Hailry other than the fact that it was the chopping block of the uh, ADS. The answer was a polite no at this stage. But a little later, Sholto returned to the frame. He was very persuasive. In fact, I uh, later found out he could talk his way out of a paper bag. I was just the man he was looking for. To cut the story short, I finally relented without ever having looked at the school. If I was to try teaching, then Halebury was probably as good as anywhere to go. Besides, like most students, I looked forward to the prospect of making a bit of money. Not that schoolmasters were well paid at that particular stage. In fact, um, the teachers at Halebury weren't as uh, well paid as Big Pool the groundsman as Frank Dorker would tell you. Well, what was the reaction of my university mates? Well, their reaction was hardly encouraging. You're not going there. It's a military academy which in its spare time teaches a little bookkeeping and has a very, very good cadet corps which in fact uh, had the reputation of being the best in Australia, if not the best in Australia, who were no better than the Halbury Cadet Corps. Well, I retorted that I was well aware from my cadet days that Halbury did have a good cadet corps and as for the latter, I intended to do something about that by seeing that such Philistines were introduced into the cult of a liberally educated man with a heavy dose of the humanities. Such of course was the arrogance of view. When I told them I was going into the boarding school, some of my mates were horrified. "You won't last a month. There's a rather terrible man in charge about a establishment. a tyrant, little Hitler, who terrifies both boys and staff. Their fears for me were, of course, quite groundless. Historically, it can be shown that I did, in fact, outlive him at Pailory. As for his reputation, I was soon to find out, of course, His bark was far worse than his
1: bite. Well, I think that's roughly the story of how I came to Hailbury. So, you came as an honours arts graduate from the University of Melbourne to breathe a touch of humanity into the uh, military academy. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the first impression?
0: How interesting, and how lucky for the school that Sholto Black was such a persuasive talker. And now to the senior school assembly in 2000 at Keysborough. Andrew Langford-Jones is introduced by the ubiquitous Jim Brown.
1: Yes, well it is a pleasure this morning to welcome back to Halebury, Andrew Langford-Jones, who is one of three vice-presidents of the Old Haleberians Association. Andrew attended the school at South Road Brighton from 1956 through to 1967. He was a leading sportsman, and what I'd like to highlight for you this morning is the fact that he was in Halebury's first Premiership APS football team in 1965. That was groundbreaking as far as the school sports was concerned, to be right up the top in football and in the following year we were Premiers in cricket as well in 1966. Andrew was a member of both of those teams and he was captain of cricket in 1967. Since leaving school he has continued to be involved in sport He recently completed a three-year term as the president of the Victorian Amateur Football Association. You'll be aware of how large that organisation is. And he's a member of the match committee and a tournament referee for the Professional Golfers Association. And this involves, of course, making rulings during major tournaments conducted both in this country and overseas. If that's not enough, he's a partner in career sport, which manages the careers of leading sportsmen. He's also a partner in Premier Business, which is involved in the purchase and sale of businesses. Currently, as far as the school is concerned, he's planning a dinner for people who went to school at Brighton, calling it a Millennium Dinner to be held in November, people who left the school before 1970. Would you give him a very warm welcome back to assembly?
3: In 1975, perhaps the greatest coach ever to coach in the AFL, John Kennedy, looked at the side before him as they were about to run out onto the MCG on that last day in September and said, gentlemen, it's later than you think. The average age of that side was 23 years and 6 months. Considering that people now live well into their 70s and 80s, 23 is not much older than many of you boys here this morning. History now shows that through the 70s and 80s, no club was more successful than the mighty Hawthorne sides of that era, premiers eight times and runner-up on another four occasions. The reason I dwell on, on Kennedy's quote from 1975 is because 10 of that side never played in a winning premiership side. Their chance had come and gone. There were other premierships, but for those 10, they were never to be given the chance again to seek the glory of playing in a premiership side. I look at the school now and find it hard to believe it's the same place that I attended back in the 50s and 60s. The school was a member of the Associated Grammar Schools and Keysborough out here was just farmland. In 1958, we joined the Associated Public Schools and the school was reborn. Schools such as Scotch College and Melbourne Grammar and Geelong Grammar and the others regarded us as second rate and treated us accordingly. By the end of 1964, seven years after joining the APS, we had perhaps won four cricket matches in that time, and two or three football games, and of course, athletics, we were always in the bottom three. We were the joke of the APS, but the one positive was that the school numbers had begun to grow, and our numbers now totaled nearly a 1,000. The turning point came, as Jim said, in 1965. We won the football premiership from nowhere, beating Xavier and Melbourne Grammar in the last two matches, both by less than a goal. The following year, we won the cricket. Apps followed soon after, and scholastically, as a school, we were second to none in the state. By 1980, no school could boast the dominance that Halebury College had over the rest of the APS. Not only sporting and academic results, but also in the fields of music and drama and all other spheres of, of school life. Our pipe band was and still is regarded as the best in the nation. For the first time, the established, as they like to call themselves, or the original public schools were aware that this new, fresh and aggressive Halebury College was, on, was here to stay and was a force to be reckoned with. I have, however, digressed. I'm afraid I've had some bad news for those that just gave a sigh of relief, For as John Kennedy said, it is later than you think. And it's just, if one of you people here this morning listen to the message I'm about to give, I, for one, will feel better for that. Having left the school 35 years ago, I must say that I felt greatly honoured to be asked back here this morning to address the Assembly. I must also admit to being surprised. But while proud of some of the things I've achieved in my life, much of my life has been one of missed opportunities. At school, I was an average student, mainly through lack of work rather than brains. Although, I may be lucky that some of my former teachers aren't here because they'd probably argue the other. I was captain of cricket and vice-captain of football, a member of Aalaby's first APS cricket and football premierships. I gained enough marks to enter the law faculty at Monash. And yet, I feel I failed at Halebury given the opportunities that going to such a great school as this provided. On leaving school, I was lucky enough to be invited down to St Kilda to play football and to Melbourne to play cricket. And While many, including myself, thought I had a chance of playing in the firsts of both, I never achieved, having played only seconds football at St Kilda and seconds cricket at Melbourne. My golf handicap was three. And yet I never, ever gave that a real chance. And I did four years of a law course before throwing it in and opting out. Pubs, parties, girls and surfing were my priorities. Now I look back and wonder what might have been if I'd had a real go. And those words of the great John Kennedy still haunt me. It is later than you think. At the time I was like most of you. I was young, I was fit, I was healthy. And it was so easy to opt out And by saying... You know, I'd rather be doing everything than specialising in one thing. Or if I'd had a go and I just, I did have a go but I wasn't good enough. But the truth is, I might not have been good enough, but it was only when I turned 35 that I was honest enough to admit that I'd been big headed and lazy and really didn't have a go. I wasn't prepared to give it my all, I wasn't prepared to really work, and now, at age 51, I regret that. For the past 25 years of my professional life has been that as a business consultant, advising people on the buying and selling of businesses. But for five years ago, I came into contact with a gentleman by the name of Ron Joseph. And with another old boy of the school, Grant Haddam, who's no longer with us, he's died of cancer a year or so ago. We formed a company called Career Sport. Today, five years down the track, we now manage more than 70 of the AFL footballers and a couple of the AFL coaches and a few of the Olympians. Aside from that, as Jim said, I've spent 10 years in a consultancy uh, mode with the Australian PGA Tour, helping them run golf tournaments. And while it has been fantastic from the point of view that I've been able to see countries and places that I would have never been able to go without that opportunity, the real benefit to me has been to see and work with people such as Greg Norman, Jack Nicklaus, and Nick Feldo and many, many others in the golfing world. I've also had the fortune of meeting and playing with Tiger Woods. And I can tell you that one common thread that all of these successful people have is their incredible work ethic on and off the course, every day two hours in the gym, every day five and ten kilometer runs, hundreds of practice balls and mindsets that nothing could disturb. The footballers on the other hand realize that the window of opportunity is much more limited than the golfer, knowing that at best they may have 12 years but more than likely in the back of every player's mind is the thought that this match may be his last for so many incur injuries that restrict or even finish careers just as they're reaching their prime every game must be their best hence the words of Mr Kennedy once again are so appropriate it is later than you think this brings me back to you gentlemen here this morning most of you would be between the ages of 14 and 18 and most of you would be cruising through the school without giving a lot of thought to what you're going to do once you leave what are you ever going to do with the rest of your life there's nothing wrong with that For it is said, most of the most interesting people in this world had no idea what they were going to do or be until they were 28 years of age. I don't know why they picked 28, but that seems to be the figure. What is wrong, however, is if you are just cruising. Schools such as this are for the privileged. Note, I didn't say the wealthy. There is a difference. You are students of this great school, and it is a great school. And it's only when you leave the school and you start meeting people in business and around the social scenes of Melbourne and the business districts of Melbourne, you realise how great this school is. You are the privileged because you have opportunities that this school offers that many others don't. Hampton High, Berwick High, how many of their students, for example, can have the choice of playing 15 different types of sport or being part of four different types of musical bands? enjoying the learning skills and life skills that are offered down at Pelican, among the hundreds of other opportunities that you get through going to a school such as Hillary. These are the opportunities that make you privileged. And if you are lazy or silly or just plain stupid enough not to realise, then it's time to have a good, hard look at yourselves. Ron Barassi, another of the legendary AFL coaches, once wrote on the team blackboard, Ten two-letter words. Ten two-letter words. And they were, If it is to be, it is up to me. How true is that? Because your next-door neighbour, he's not going to care if you stuff up your lives. The local milk bar bloke, he's not going to care. The bloke sitting four or five rows to the left or right or behind, he's not going to care. At the end of the day, if it is to be, it is up to me. In conclusion, let me say this. We can't all be top of the class, we can't all be the best in the sporting sides that we compete in, nor can we all play the violin or the bagpipes. We can't all run quick, we can't all think as clearly as others, or we'll be the leaders of our groups, but we can all have a red-hot go. My fear for you that is, in 35 years' time you will be standing here where I am this morning, regretting the fact that you never really made the most of the opportunities that are available to you as a member of this school. And if only you had got two more marks, if only you'd got one more mark, give everything you do a real red-hot go and a 100% effort. There is no excuse, none at all, for accepting, as I did at your age, mediocrity. Try things different. New foods, new endeavours, do some woodwork, play the guitar, whatever. But whatever you do, do it with passion, grace and style. And I leave with you this message, that of Mr. Kennedy, it is always later than you think. To those that are finishing next week, I congratulate you. Because you've worked hard, and I'm sure the exams will be a fitting uh, indication of exactly how hard you have worked. I look forward to meeting a lot of you as you leave the school and go on, we run into each other at uh, Old Boys Functions. And to those that have got one or two years left at the school, I say to you, it is later than you think. Be fair income about your lives and give it 100%. Thanks for having me. As you know, I usually stand up now and thank our speaker. But I should make two comments about the speaker this morning. I thought we should uh, perhaps each of us realise just the depth and feeling for the school that we've heard this morning and the extraordinarily good advice we've heard and also just to contemplate that great old Haleberians have different paths through life and sometimes those real values come a bit later to some than to others. Would you thank Mr Langford Jones again?
0: Hmm... Some good advice for all of us in that address, although I think Andrew was perhaps being a little harsh on himself during his school days and beyond. And now here's Bill with the answer to the quiz. Here are the answers to our quiz questions. Brian Clark was a student at Melbourne Grammar School and he commenced teaching at Haylibrary in 1950. Thanks Bill. Easy if you were paying attention during the Clarkie interview. Well that's it for this 16th From the Archives podcast. The next episode should be coming your way in May. Please remember that your feedback is what keeps us going. So, if you've got a comment to make or a story you'd like to tell, please get in touch. This is Keith White signing off from the archives, Series 1, Episode 16, April 2020. Thanks for listening.